pray that we would feel your presence today as we open your word. And it's in Christ Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. This morning I want to preach on a trade that took place in Mark chapter 1. So if you've got a Bible, go ahead and open there. Mark chapter 1. We're going to call this sermon Trading Places. This is what I believe is one of the greatest trades that took place in the ministry of Jesus. Have you ever had much luck trading things? I don't know about you, but as a kid, I tried my hand at trading baseball cards. I never was too successful. I think I even got into collecting coins one time and tried to trade coins. Never seemed to make much money. Never seemed to get any better. Um, I had a friend named Greg uh, in middle school and high school, and Greg was pretty good at trading. But the reason why he was pretty good at trading is because it was actually called stealing. Um, He had his little sister, and he convinced his little sister that her $5 bill was worth less than his three-quarters And so he would consistently go to his sister and trade her coins for dollar bills. And uh, I think, I think, Greg may be in jail now, I don't know, but I don't think so. (laughs) But I never had much luck, but uh, maybe, I don't know about you, maybe you're a better trader than I was, but I bet you never had as much luck as a guy by the name of Kyle McDonald. He was a Canadian writer who between 2005 and 2006, he managed to make a series of 14 trades that took him from a paperclip to a paid-off two-story house. This house right here, no joke, traded a paperclip up to a house. And this is how he did it. It began in July 2005. He began to list this paperclip on sites like Craigslist and see what he could trade. It was like an experiment to him. He traded the paperclip for a hand-sculpted doorknob. And then came other trades that led to things such as a Coleman stove, a generator, a snowmobile, a box truck, a recording contract, a role in a movie, and eventually a paid-for house. How would you like that for a trade? I would love to be able to trade my mortgage in for a paperclip. When I, we, sometimes when we were with our youth group, we would do these little scavenger hunts, and we tried this one year. We tried this actually a couple different years where we would give kids, we would start them with a paperclip, and we would send them out for two hours, and we'd say, make trades. And unfortunately, we never came back with a house. The best we ever got was some scuba gear. We got a diaper genie one time. Um, we got a used toilet, and we got a half-eaten bag of Fig Newtons. But here in the Gospel of Mark, we see a trade that Jesus made that is quite possibly one of the greatest trades in the history of time. And it involved a request that was made by a leper. So let's look first and foremost, let's look first in in verse 40 at the leper's request. It says in verse 40, And a leper came to him, to Jesus. Now Jesus had been healing, he had been teaching before this point in the Gospel of Mark. And it says here, A leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. A leper came to him. Now please, when you read that little phrase, I don't want you to glance over this. I don't want you to misunderstand the weight of that statement. A leper came to Jesus. This is not like saying a man with a cold came to Jesus. It's not like saying a guy with a fever. It is not even like saying a man born blind or a man who was paralyzed. This man was a leper. 
Now, to understand why that is such a big deal, let me explain some things. Today, if you don't really know what leprosy is, it is what doctors today would call Hansen's disease. And I was always under the assumption that leprosy was basically just this disease where your skin would fall off. And in actuality, what leprosy is, is a disease of numbness. I would show you some pictures this morning of the effects of leprosy, but it is far too grotesque. I couldn't do so. I looked it up and I thought, man, this is just absolutely horrible what these people went through. And so a person who would contract leprosy would would experience complete numbness over their entire body. They could not feel anything. They couldn't feel anything in their skin, in their fingers, in their toes, their tongue, their head, their feet, nothing at all. And so what would begin to take place as this disease began to have effect is these people would begin to injure themselves. They would accidentally harm themselves because they couldn't feel any pain. For instance, a leper would reach into a fire to grab something out and not realize that they had burned themselves. They would grip a tool so hard that they would permanently damage their hand. They would wash their face with scalding hot water, never realizing they were burning themselves. When they slept... Rats and other vermin would come and would chew on their fingers and their toes and they would never feel it and never be woken up by it. And so over time, they would literally wear off fingers and toes and skin. And then infection would set in and speed up the process. And so this was a horrible disease. Likely the worst diagnosis that a person could receive in this day and age. But not only was this disease damaging physically, not only was it painful and horrible physically, it was also devastating emotionally. It was devastating relationally. Because a person who received a diagnosis of leprosy received a sentence of isolation, a sentence of loneliness. You see, in Leviticus chapter 13, verse 45 and 46, this is what we were told that must happen if a person contracted leprosy. It's going to be on the screen. It said, the leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes and let the hair of his head hang loose. And he shall cover his upper lip and cry out, unclean, unclean. He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. And so these lepers would be forced to live outside of town, outside of camp. And the only people they could be around were other lepers. Now, there was good reason for this. There was no cure for leprosy. There was no vaccine. There was no antibiotic. And so God instituted this as a way of protecting the community to keep the disease from spreading. But the Bible also tells us that these people, these lepers, were not allowed to come within 50 paces of any other person who did not have leprosy. If a leper stood under a tree and someone without leprosy passed under that tree, then that other person would be considered unclean and would be quarantined for a period of time to make sure they didn't contract the disease. If a leper stuck his head into a house to say hello, that whole house was then considered unclean. And so lepers literally lost their family. They lost their friends. They lost their occupation. They lost their habits and their hobbies. They lost their ability to come worship as a community. They were forced away. And so this man who came to Jesus had no one. And in fact, he was not allowed to come around anyone. 
And so you can imagine this scene. Think about this. This is one of my favorite healings in the entire Gospels because of the weight of what's going on here. So you can imagine this scene. Here is Jesus teaching this group of people, and coming through the crowd is a leper. What would you have done? If a man with a deadly disease that is contracted through touch pushed his way through the crowd, what would you have done? You can imagine there was probably a lot of running, a lot of screaming, a lot of, oh my, what is going on? Everybody trying to get away from this man. People were likely pushing away as fast as possible. They didn't want to be infected. They didn't want to be catch this disease, but they also didn't want to be considered unclean and forced away from the community. But this leper, this leper was bold. This leper knew that Jesus was the one who could make him clean. And so the Bible tells us here that he ran to Jesus and he implored him. He implored him. Now I need to stop here to say this to the person in this room who is not a Christian. To the person in this room who has never surrendered his or her life to Jesus Christ, has never sought the forgiveness of their sins, today, in your current spiritual condition, you have more in common with this leper than you probably think you do. Now, I know you don't have a horrible skin disease. That's not my point. You don't have some disease that has separated you from your family and friends, but you have a sin disease which has separated you from the Heavenly Father. And just as leprosy is a curse upon the body, sin is a curse upon the soul. We're told in Isaiah 59, verse 2, your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God. And your sins have hidden His face from you so that He does not hear. And in Romans 6, 23, it says, the wages of sin is death. Sin brought physical death into this universe, but it also brought spiritual death. You may walk through this life thinking you have everything figured out. You may walk through this life thinking you have everything together. You may feel like you have the perfect family, the perfect home, the perfect job, plenty of wealth and security and comfort. But without Jesus, that will amount to nothing one day tells us in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, that just as it is appointed for man once to die, after that comes judgment. And apart from Christ, your future, apart from Jesus, your future is pointed at but one thing, and that is the gates of hell. That is an eternal separation from God in heaven. The one true God who loves you. The one true God who cares and seeks to do something in your life. Sin separates you from that guy. But let's listen to what this leper says. He says to Jesus, he implores him, if you will, you can make me clean. Now we could spend a lot of time picking apart the fact that this man said, if you will. But I think what's important here is that he did not say, if you can. That he did not say to Jesus, hey, Jesus, do you think you can possibly work up a miracle that could heal me? No, he knew Jesus could do it. If you were to go back in the Gospel of Mark, already in this first chapter, Jesus has healed Peter's mother-in-law. Jesus has cast out demons, who also, here it says, he made clean, unclean spirits. Here, this man says, will you make me clean? 
And so he simply did not know if Jesus would do this. And should that really be a surprise? This man could count on no one. This man could rely on no one. Everyone he knew had deserted him because they didn't want his disease. And so it's no wonder that he came to Jesus and he said, Jesus, if you will, you can make me clean. But notice he did also did not just ask for healing. He didn't just say, hey, Jesus, if you will, take away my leprosy. He knew that his problem was more than physical. He said, Jesus, make me clean. He wanted to be restored. He wanted to come back into the house of God. He wanted to be back with his family and with his friends. He realized his problem was more than just a physical disease. Now, for those who are lost, and even for us as Christians many times, sin can lead us to believe two different lies. First, those who are still lost can, can begin to believe that they're just fine. They, they adopt the attitude, well, you know what? My sin is no worse than that next guy. I'm really no worse off than him. I'm a good person. I do good things. I'm not so bad, and so God will just overlook my problems. You know, God's love, and since God is love, He's just going to lovingly overlook everything like a sweet old grandpa that just never can tell his grandkids no. And that lie can, can lead us, even as Christians, and especially as non-Christians, to continue in our sin. And to fall farther and farther away from the love of Jesus. And can keep us from running to the feet of Jesus where we need to be. Where this man ran to. But second, some might come to, to, to the realization of their sin. But they may believe that there's no hope for them. That some who do realize that they are sinners. That they are wicked people. That they have done wrong things. Can begin to believe, well you know I'm just too far gone. What could God do for me? I mean, how could Jesus want to save me? And so just like with this leper, there could be a hesitation in your heart that says, I would really love for Jesus to do something, but I just don't know if he will. I mean, no one else has come through for me, so how can I know that Jesus would do anything? But let's listen to Jesus' response. Let's see the Savior's response here. Verse 41 says, moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And so Jesus was overcome with compassion right here. He was moved with pity. I can imagine that Jesus, who Colossians says is the one who created all things, looked at this man who he created this man who he loved, who he saw in him the effects, the ravages of the consequence of sin on this earth. And the fact that sin is the one that brought in disease. He looked at this man and he saw his eyes and he saw his request and he said, I will be clean. You know, sometimes for us as people, can't we become calloused? to seeing people's needs? I mean, how many times have you turned on the TV and you see those commercials of people who are in hurting and in need, and what do we typically do? Flip past it, don't we? 
you know, we drive down the road and we see someone who is genuinely homeless and genuinely hurting, or we go to feed the homeless at Calvary Rescue Mission and we go in and we do what we're doing, but we still can be compassionate, we still can be calloused to what we see because we see it so much. We see so much hurt. We see so much pain that we think, well, there's nothing I can do. But Jesus gives us an example here. He looked with compassion. He looked with pity. And then I want you to see what he did here. He says, moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and he touched him. He touched him. For however long this man had had this disease, no one touched this man. No one would come near him. No one wanted to rub shoulders with this man. Don't you think Jesus could have healed him many different ways? He could have simply said, I speak the words, you're clean. Could have waved a hand. Could have told him like he did with others and said, go bathe in this pool and you'll come out clean. But instead, what did he do? He touched him. This man who had not experienced touch for days, months, years, the first touch he felt was the touch of the healer, the touch of the master. And you can imagine that in that moment, suddenly a body that could feel nothing could feel everything. It says in verse 42, it says, and immediately... Immediately, the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. Immediately, his body began to regain feeling. Immediately, where once were broken fingers and toes and missing skin, suddenly was a restored body. Immediately, that man could throw away those dingy, torn garments and could be clothed in clean clothes. Immediately all the pain was gone. But Jesus says here, it says here that Jesus made him clean. When Jesus touched this man, this man did not make our Savior unclean and said his touch made him clean. There's nothing that we can do to pollute Jesus. Our sin does not bring Jesus down, but in, instead, His holiness, when it comes in contact with our lives, makes us whole. And so Jesus willingly reached out and healed this man with a touch. It says in Romans 6.23, it says, The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so our Jesus wants to restore you. He wants to make you whole. He wants to make you need. Whatever your ache is, for the believer in this room, I don't know what your pain is, but Jesus wants to make you well. Jesus wants to carry your burdens. And for the unbeliever in this room, Jesus wants to remove your sin. He wants to remove the stain. But there's one other thing I think we have to see, and this is my favorite part of this story. Look in verse 44. It says, Jesus said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer for cleansing what Moses commanded for proof for a proof to them. So this was a Levitical command that if they, if they were healed, they were to go to the priest. The priest, in essence, was like a doctor in this sense, would look at this person, would examine them, and they would go through a ritual to basically declare this person clean. And then this person could come back into the community. 
Now, if you're wondering why Jesus would tell this man, don't tell anyone what I did. Think about it. What was Jesus' mission? To preach the good news, right? And Jesus knew. We see this throughout the Gospel of Mark especially. Jesus knew that if, if word got around that he was a miraculous healer like he was, what would take place? He would be swarmed with people who were coming to look for a show. And when he would be swarmed with people who were coming simply for physical healings, they would come to him for the wrong reasons, but they wouldn't want to hear his teachings. They would just want to see what he could do. And so Jesus tells this guy, he says, don't tell anyone. Go fulfill the law, go to, go to the priest, do what you are told to do, and you will be considered clean and you can come back in. But in verse 45 it says, he went out and began to talk freely about it. And to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places. And people were coming to him from every quarter. And so this leper didn't keep his word. This leper didn't obey Jesus' command. And it's really no surprise, because how could a guy who had been like he was keep his mouth shut? He goes back into the community. You can imagine, he probably went home, knocked on the door, walked in the door. And what do you think his family would do? What happened? How did this happen? He went back to the priest. And you know what the priest's question was going to be? How did this healing come about? And so this man began to go and he began to tell others what had taken place. But now, where was Jesus? It says here, Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places. And people were coming to him from every quarter. And so do you see what happened? There was a trade that took place. Jesus took this man's place. That once there was a leper who could go nowhere, once there was a leper who was cast out into desolate places, but Jesus made him clean, and there was, then there, where, did, where did Jesus go? To desolate places. Once there was a leper who could go nowhere, but now he could walk freely among the town. What Jesus once could do. But we're told here that suddenly Jesus could go nowhere. But he was forced into desolate places. I believe this story foreshadows what took place on the cross. I believe this story is a way of Jesus giving a little preview of what took place and what we're told in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, when it says, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That on that cross, Jesus took our place. That he traded places with us. John 15, 13 says, Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friend. You know, this, just this past week, we observed Memorial Day. As you know, a day to honor those who fought for our freedoms. The men and women, the thousands and thousands who died so that we could have freedom today. And what a tremendous sacrifice that was. And is still for the families of those people. That they took our place on the battle lines, really, so that we could experience freedom. But let me tell you this, 
Not to downplay their sacrifice, but Jesus made a greater sacrifice to take our place so that we could have an even greater freedom. He is our substitute. He took our place. And when we pour out our hearts to Christ and say, Jesus, make me clean, I promise by the Word of God that Jesus' response to you will be the same as to this man. That He will look at you and say, I will be clean. Would you bow your heads as we come to a time of invitation this morning? I must say this to the lost person in this room, to the person who does not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus wants to trade places with you. He wants 2 Corinthians 5.21 to be a reality in your life. That he who knew no sin became sin so that we might be righteous before the Father. Today, if you are sitting in this room and you have never surrendered your heart and life to Jesus, you have never received the forgiveness of your sins from the only one who can forgive, God, through the power of the blood of Jesus Christ, let today be that day. Come down this aisle and allow Jesus to trade places with you. He's already paid the price. You simply must receive the gift. And for the believer who is sitting in this room today, I don't know what your struggle is. I don't know what your hurt is, what your worry is. But Jesus makes that same offer to you today. You may think to yourself, well, Jesus, if you will, you can remove this burden. Jesus, if you will, you can help me in this situation. Jesus, if you will, please step in. Jesus looks at you and says, I will. Today, as we come to this time of invitation, however God is leading you to respond, I encourage you in the boldness that the Holy Spirit is Respond. Father, we do thank you for your word and for the hope that it gives us. That for those who stand here today with no hope, that you have given them hope through the gospel of Jesus Christ. That I know, I remember from when I was a child that I called out to Jesus and said, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Jesus, be the Lord of my life. And he said to me, I will. And there have been so many times in my life where I've called out to Jesus and said, Jesus, I'm struggling here. Jesus, I don't know what to do. Father, I don't know what to do here. Give me wisdom. Give me grace. And he's called out to me said, and said, Dear child, I will. Father, I pray that we would all experience that today. May your Holy Spirit move upon us as we come to this time of invitation. And it's in your Son, Jesus Christ's name, we do pray.